Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio message from the pulpit of Gospel Light Baptist Church. Our church is led by Pastor Brent Lenentine. Pastor is celebrating his 28th year of ministry in the greater Albuquerque area. We want to invite you to be our guest at an upcoming service. We are confident that you will find Gospel Light to be friendly, accepting, and challenging. You'll find the music to be exciting and heart-stirring, the challenge ministry to be engaging and spiritual, and the preaching to be biblical and practical. We hope to see you soon. Matthew in chapter number 28, and then uh, we'll look in verse number 6, if we would. Uh, Verse number 5, let's look there, if we would, and go to verse number 10. So in Matthew Matthew chapter 28, uh, and then in um, verse number 5, for all that's able to, let's stand together just to read these few verses. We'll pray, and you'll have opportunity to be seated. Just keep your Bible open here, if you would. Matthew 28, and in verse number 5, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse number 6. He is not here, for he is what now? Risen. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Let's pray if we would. The Heavenly Father, we want to come to you now and just thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for just the instruction and the encouragement that we have gotten now as we have just um, looked at this and focused on the series of what it is that has been finished because of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would bless in this message also, just challenge and encourage our hearts and help us now, we pray. We'd ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated all over and as we said on Resurrection Sunday and as we started that series with that message of the resurrection where it tells us uh, that, um, that as Jesus said on the cross, that it is finished. And we looked at that and was challenged and encouraged by that greatly uh, on that resurrection Sunday. And then as we came forward, we've dealt with this theme, and now we come to this point, and as we'll conclude this series, we'll really close it uh, with a passage uh, and the thought where we'd open, and that is with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus then was, uh, had died on the cross. He gave his life and he bore our sins in our place when he died on the cross. And so as the women were there, as Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, as they were there uh, at the tomb, the angels come and then they speak to them and they say, I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Then it tells us in verse number six, it says in this great verse, He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. And then it makes a statement, and it says, come see the place where the Lord lay, or past tense, if you would, 
come see the place where Jesus used to be. It was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea said, let me give the tomb here just on an instant, you know, nothing that was pre-planned or set out, but they had taken Jesus and, and uh, much to the heartbreak and dismay of his disciples, they actually carried forward through that. We would know that it was the will of the Father and Jesus had submitted to the will of the Father to go to the cross to bear our sins in our place. And so Joseph spoke up and said, let us take the body off the cross in preparation uh, for a holy day, for that, <laughs> for that um, special Sabbath that was given and for that holy day. And so they took Jesus down from the cross <laughs> and they wrapped him up and placed him in that tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. However, the tomb was just to be borrowed because Jesus, after three days and three nights, rose again from the dead. And so it says here, come see the place, past tense, where Jesus had been laid, if you would. When I had the privilege back many years ago of going over to Israel and of touring there around many different places in the Holy Land to where is believed to be the, um, the, uh, the, the Mount Calvary and then the, uh, uh, the place of the skull and you could see and I had snapped a picture really where it looks like two sunken eyeballs and an opening if you would in the shape somewhat of a skull there on the side of the mountain and then the garden tomb just down away from that. And as you can tour and go into that, and so people line up just to be able to step inside of the tomb where they believe that it might have been where the body of Jesus was laid. And so you go in there, and they have a door so that they can close that. Obviously, there was a great stone that was rolled over that, but they have a door that would close that, and the door is open to the inside. So you go in, and you could look at the place where he might have been laid, or it would have been just as that, uh, where Jesus was laid in the tomb. And then as you turn to go back, out again. The doors opened against the wall inside the tomb and on there is printed just these words and it says, he is not here for he is risen. And I couldn't help but just get excited and just praise the Lord and thank God for that wonderful and amazing truth. For you see, we serve a risen Savior. We serve uh, not a God who just uh, not, not just a prophet or a good man who lived his life and influenced many people and taught them good things and lived out his life and then died. And now that prophet is still remembered many, many years later, many centuries later, as having been the beginning or the starting of that particular religion. But the thing that distinguishes Christianity from all other religions of the world is that we serve a risen Savior. We serve a very God in the flesh who died for our sins and then rose again from the dead. And so we are given this message. The angels instructed them and told Mary and then told then the other disciples, said, take this message to the other disciples. And because Jesus uh, has, was crucified and then was buried for three days and three nights, and now because Jesus has risen again from the dead, you have a very specific mission. You have a very specific commandment that is given to you. And that is that you are to take this message and go and tell it to the world. In Isaiah 42, it looks forward to the coming kingdom of the Lord. In verse 10, 11, and 12, just listen to this as I read it to you from Isaiah 42. It says, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof, 
let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. The villages of Kedar doth inhabit. Let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. It talks of us there to prophesize forward of the Messiah. And then it tells us that we are supposed to take this message and we are supposed to shout it from the mountaintops. That we are supposed to tell the people in the country and in the cities and on the sea and those that, that live on the islands and those we are supposed to take this message and we are supposed to make the message of Jesus Christ known from one end of the earth to the other. We're supposed to tell all people. And so we have then a commission that is given to us. We have then this commandment that was given uh, and was told then from the angels of what it was that they were supposed to do, that they were supposed to go and tell this message. And they were supposed to make sure that, that others knew. We'll see in verse number 10 where it says, uh, then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid. And then he makes this and he makes a statement and he says, go and tell. He said, go and tell this message. So the angel confirmed it, told it. Jesus reconfirmed very clearly what the angel said. And they said, because Jesus has died for our sins and because he rose again, we now have a commission. We have an instruction. We have a commandment that is given to us. And we call that, by the way, the great commandment. And that is that we are supposed to go into all the world and we are supposed to preach the gospel and we are supposed to give out this message of Jesus Christ. You'll see it told very clearly at the end of this chapter. That's where we most commonly go to. But in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 28, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, it says, is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he says in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so Jesus gave to them very clearly this commandment. And he says to them in this commandment, he said, I want you to go and I want you to tell this message that Jesus died and rose again. And I want you to go and I want you to tell this message to all people. And I want you to to announce it and I want you to broadcast it and I want people to understand the importance and the necessity of this message to go and to tell them. It's interesting, Jesus is here in Jerusalem and outside the gate of Jerusalem was where he was crucified but most of Jesus' ministry took place in Galilee and it took place in that region um, <coughs> around this area of Galilee. You'll see in verse number seven, he says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you, it says, he goeth before you into Galilee. In verse number 10, then Jesus, uh, then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. I never realized this before, and back some time ago, I had studied this out. And when you study this out about Galilee, and that, that majority of 
the ministry of Jesus Christ took place around this area in this region of Galilee. Galilee then, and the original name from that is from the Hebrew, uh, is means specifically this. It means the heathen circle. It is a region of Palestine. So this area of Galilee specifically was referred to by the Jews and by the, the devout, by the scribes and by the Pharisees and by the religious crowd that was very full of themselves and they thought that they were better than everybody else. They named this region Galilee, which means specifically again, it means the heathen circle or an area of people that don't profess to be religious or not frequent churchgoers or people that, that seemingly don't care much about God or about the things of God. But Jesus tells them, I want you to go now and I want you to go before me. I'm going to go before you and I am going to go into Galilee. The idea of that very specifically is this, and this is what I want us to really gather from this and understand, and that is that there are so many people who need the Lord who are just plain, common, everyday people. They are just common people. They're not the religious crowd that have their religion and feel like they've got it all, but there are just so many people that are just common people which the fact of the matter is, they would believe in Jesus if somebody ever told them about Jesus. They would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if somebody would just go and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this before, but I want to be more specific in this, and I've given partially this quote before. But this quote is actually found in the Cornwell West Reader. The Cornwell West Reader on page 448, and it's a quote by Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln said, uh, who is believed to have said that God must have loved the common folk since they made so many of them. Now I've addressed that and I have, I've identified that to Abraham Lincoln many times that he was the one that said that. He said this specifically. Abraham Lincoln said, let Christianity speak ever for the poor and for the lowly. Let Christianity speak ever for the poor and for the lowly. In Luke chapter 14, in verse number 21, Jesus, where he gives the instruction there for them to go out, and then he says for them to call, he says for them to bring in, he says the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. They had first gone out after the religious crowd, and the religious crowd, again, was just full of themselves, and truthfully, they were so prideful, they really didn't feel like that they needed the Lord. And so Jesus sent them out again. And he says, just go to the highways and hedges. Just go to the common people. Just go to the masses of people that are out there. Just go to them and tell them about the Savior. And so they go out into the highways and hedges and they come in and they said, Lord, many of them came and, and you know, they said, yeah, there's room. And so Jesus said, that's great. Go back out again and find more common people because the fact of the matter is, is that the common people heard him gladly. In Mark chapter 12 and verse number 37, David therefore himself calleth him Lord and whence is he then his son? And so he is making this case for Jesus being, Jesus is making this case again 
that David was saying that the Messiah was to be very God, God who would come in the flesh. And then here's what it says in the last part of Mark chapter 12, in verse number 37. It says, the common people heard him gladly. Uh, I had read and, and I uh, love reading about the early history of our nation and uh, even before uh, the Revolutionary War and just the time of the settlement of our country and the settlement of our nation. And uh, reading a book, and in that book is actually called uh, The Preacher and the Printer. And it's a book that shows the relationship between George Whitfield, the preacher, and Benjamin Franklin. And it was telling about uh, George Whitfield, and it was telling something of his background and his history. And he grew up there in England, and he was in that Church of England, which was uh, very, very high culture and just very, very religious, and all the religious rituals that people would go through. But George Whitfield, along with the Wesley brothers, started having a burning desire to want to know Christ and then to make Christ known. And they just had such a passion for that. And George Whitfield came over to the shores of America, to the, to the new settlement in this country, to the West, because he wanted to preach Jesus Christ. And so he did all the what he knew, knew to do, and that was that he joined up with churches of the Church of England that were here in the early colonies. But as he started to preach Jesus and he started to preach salvation, they got mad at him. The religious crowd in the churches got mad at George Whitfield and they put him out of the churches. And one church after another church started voting and saying, we will not allow George Whitfield to preach in our churches. George Whitfield got mad about that and he was praying about what to do. And he was out in the field and as he was praying and asking God what to do to be able to get the gospel to the common people. And he was out there praying towards the end of the day, he noticed that there were coal miners that were coming out of the coal shaft and they were coming out from having worked all day down in the coal mines. And it was now to the end of the day and it was, it was already getting dark. And George Whitfield found a stone, a rock, and he jumped up on top of that rock with his Bible in his hand, and he started to preach to him about Jesus Christ and told him how that Jesus loved him and that he died, died for their sins and he rose again and how that they could be saved. And he said as he was standing there preaching, the people were coming out of the coal mines and they were just stacking up behind each other. All these people, a multitude of people, were, were just listening to him preach. And he says he preached, he said... All these men, their faces were just black with coal dust, having worked in the coal mine all through the day. And he said he preached about Jesus Christ and how that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He said, in that dark, he said, I could see channels or canals of white streaking down grown men's faces as they were weeping and their tears were washing the coal dust off of their face. And so there were channels down every one of their faces of white as they cried and wept and as that coal dust washed off their face. And he finished and he gave an invitation and a multitude of those got saved. George Whitfield went back to his house that night rejoicing and he says, I don't care if I ever preach in another church of England again. Let me make every stone and let me make every uh, uh, every field uh, a pulpit to preach to the common man and to tell them that Jesus loves them. He died for them and they can be saved. And here's what George Whitfield realized on that day. There was a reason why Jesus spent so much of his earthly ministry in Galilee because the common people heard him gladly. That's why he spent so much time there. Just plain ordinary people. Just people who... Um, 
live their life day by day and just tried to take care of their family and tried to make a living and tried to make ends meet and just just out there with all the problems, with all the burdens, with all the heartaches that they deal with day by day. There are people, there are multitudes that need to know that Jesus is the answer. That Jesus is the answer for their sin-cursed soul and that Jesus is the only one that can save them and take them to heaven. It is why Jesus died on the cross and why he rose again. And it's why the angel said to them and why Jesus said to them that message that you must go and tell this message that Jesus died and that he rose again. You must go and tell this message because everybody needs to hear. And there are those that will get saved. There are those that are hurting that need to know that Jesus is the balm of Gilead and that he will help the sin-sick soul. There are those that are lowly and humble and they need to know that there is one that they can look to and be saved and they can have an eternal home in heaven. Though they scrape by a meager living in this life, they can have a mansion in heaven one day with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to say that there are those that, <clears throat> that are burdened down with cares and problems of this world, and they need to know that there is one who cares for them, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll help them. And so it's so interesting that Jesus died, uh, it went into Jerusalem, into that city of peace, and that city that God had chosen, and they rejected him, and he came into his own, and his own received him not. And they said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. They said, give us Barabbas, but let Jesus be crucified. And yet I want to say that it was all a part of God's plan because he loved us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it was all part of God's plan that he would send his son into this world, very God in the flesh, so that Jesus would go to the cross and he would bear our sins and he would die in our place. And then after three days and three nights, he rose again so that we could have the forgiveness of sins. And that's what Jesus did. Now I want you to know that this is a message. Jesus rose again outside of Jerusalem. And it's interesting, he didn't stay at Jerusalem. He went back to the place where he had done most of his ministry, he went back to the place where most all of his disciples were from, fishing there on the Sea of Galilee, and that these common people and fishermen, he went back to those people again, and that's where he met up with his disciples, and that's where he gave to them the Great Commission, and that's where he told them that they were to go into all the world and to make this message of Jesus Christ known to the world. And so they were supposed to go. Look what you see in verse number 8. Because I just want to be honest with you, and I just want to be transparent with us about this thing for us to understand. So the angel said to him in verse number 7, that they're supposed to go into Galilee, that you are supposed to go and tell this message, tell his disciples, and go and tell the brethren, and then go and tell the world what Jesus Christ has done for them. And so it tells in verse number 8, it says, they departed quickly from the sepulcher, look what it says, with fear and what now? great joy. They departed then from the sepulcher with fear and with great joy. I want you to understand this, that God today gives to us this very clear commissioning, this very clear command. And he says, I want you to take this message that Jesus died and rose again. I want you to go and tell everybody that you can. 
I want you to, to go and to give out that message. I want you to go and to bid people to come and invite them to church and invite them to come in under the, um, the word of God and invite them to come and invite them to be here. I want you to go and I want you to, to be busy about doing this work. I want you to go and I want you to call, if you would, just the common people, just the people that you work with and people in your family. And I want you to go and I want you to invite them and bid them to come. And then the Bible says as they left from there, they had two emotions that related to this commission that they were given. The Bible says that they had fear and that they had great joy. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And I just want to be honest with you, transparent. If you do the work of the Lord, if you do God's work, and if you go and tell people about Jesus Christ, if you invite them to church, if you give them the gospel, if you pass out gospel tracts, I want to promise you, you will either have fear sometimes or you got good at lying about it. Because it is a spiritual work that the flesh hates and the devil attacks and he wants to do everything that he can to keep us from doing it. He wants to use fear to stop us. And he wants to use fear to paralyze us. You go over in verse number 10. It says, then, then said Jesus unto them, be not, what now? Afraid. Now listen, he did not waste those words. He did not say that idly. He made that statement because it was very necessary for that statement to be given. I want you to understand that fear is a natural result in these sin-cursed bodies. From the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, and when God come back down to have fellowship and communion with them uh, that next morning, and they were hiding themselves, fear is a natural product, a natural byproduct of sin. Fear comes then from the devil. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I want you to understand if God hasn't given us that fear, then obviously that fear comes then from the devil. The devil wants to place that fear on us and the devil wants to give us that fear and he wants to put that fear on us to try to keep us from doing the most important work that we're people about Jesus Christ thing. But here's what we need to understand is that we don't serve God. We don't give the gospel. We don't invite people to church only when we have no fear because if we operated that way, we'd never tell anybody. But here's what we do. We do it in spite of our fear. We do it in spite of our doubts. We do it in spite of our struggles. We just go tell. Let's look at the very same passage, but at the end of the book of Mark. Just turn there, if you would, to Mark, and then that will be chapter 16. So if you look at Mark and chapter number 16, I want you to see this now, and, and just to try to put this together. The disciples had fear. The disciples really had some doubt. I mean, these were just plain, ordinary men. These apostles were just plain, ordinary men that struggle with doubts and struggle with fears and struggle with all the problems that come in this life. Just like you and I struggled, they struggled also. And we'll just pick this up here uh, in, in the middle of it. Uh, Jesus appeared then to them and to the two that walked on the road to Emmaus and that. And then we come down to verse number 14. So in Mark chapter 16, verse number 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven. Now Judas betrayed him and Judas is gone here. 
hung himself in that. So here's the 11 of these that will be then the apostles, okay? And so verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat, and Jesus now upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So Jesus then comes and meets with them. And as they are meeting and eating together, Jesus then corrects them and he rebukes them because of their doubt and because of the hardness of their heart, okay? So he upbraids them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believe not them which had seen him after he was risen, verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I just want to put together a really important connection between verse 14 and verse 15. In verse 14, Jesus says to the disciples, you, are, you have unbelief, your faith is so weak, you are floundering as believers, you are doing a bad job as a Christian. Then he immediately leads right into it and says, now go soul winning. You are failing as a Christian. Now, go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? See, we convince ourselves of this thing that we have to have it all together. We've got to be really confident, and we've got to be bold, and we've got to not have any fears and not have any doubts. And we've got to really have it all together. We've got to be a strong Christian in order for God to be able to use us to tell somebody else. And yet, I want you to understand this. If God only used the strong and confident Christian to tell other people about him, there wouldn't be much of it happening. God specializes in using people that are kind of a mess. Which I like because I qualify for that, amen? And so God specializes in using plain, ordinary people to tell other plain, ordinary people about the one who is the savior of the world. That he just uses us. He uses common people who have already believed on Jesus to tell common people who have not yet believed on Jesus about the only one who will save them and take them to heaven. That's his work. That's how he does it. He just uses us. And if he can't use us, then he has no plan B. There's nobody else to use. It's just us. And so he says, I want you to go tell. And when you go tell, there's going to be two really, really powerful emotions. And one of them is going to be fear. You're just going to be scared to death to invite someone to church. You're just going to be scared to death to tell someone about friend day. You're just going to be scared to death to invite someone to be your guest next Sunday. You're, you were liking this message when it was generic. Now all of a sudden I got specific with it. Amen. You're scared to death to invite someone to be your guest to come next Sunday to church. You're scared to death to do that. And yet we look about the disciples we see Mary, Magdalene, there at the cross, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we see the disciples. The Bible says about them that they left from there, where we were at in Matthew chapter 28, that they left there, they departed from the sepulcher. The Bible says, with fear and great joy. Jesus said to him, verse number 10, he said, be not afraid, but go tell. Be not afraid. Listen, fear is a very, very natural emotion for all of us, especially when we're going to do something that is contrary to our human nature, something spiritual 
like telling somebody about the Lord, like inviting somebody to church, like caring for somebody's soul and speaking to them about that. But here's what I want you to understand also. In the midst of all the fear, we can still have joy if we focus on what Jesus has done. Amen? So the Bible says that they departed from there with these mixed emotions. On the one side was fear, and on the other side was great joy. Now, the fear is not going to motivate us to tell anybody about Jesus, but the great joy can absolutely motivate us. If we're just excited about Jesus Christ and excited about what he's done for us, why in these messages, when we've looked back at the finished work of Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross, as we look back on that, I want to say that our hearts should be filled with great joy, which should be a, uh, just a happiness. There should be just a, uh, a great cheerfulness and encouragement that we have because of what it is that Jesus has done for us. We should be excited about that. We should be thankful about that. Verse number nine, it says, and as they went to tell uh, his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and they held him by the feet and they worshiped him. That all hail means, if you would, about cheer or cheerful to be cheerful, if you would, to be happy. And that was how Jesus greeted them. He greeted them and said, be happy. You have reason to have joy. And they were so excited to be able to see Jesus Christ risen again from the dead. Listen, in the pages of this book, by faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that he died and that he rose again. And if that's so, and it is, it is the single greatest message in all of the world and the greatest message that could ever be told. And so we have that message and we have the privilege to be able to go and to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and to tell them about what it is that Jesus has done for them and how they could know that they're saved and how they could know that they're going to heaven to be with the Lord. And I want to encourage you in this and just a couple of times a year we'll take a message and just for the purpose of really honing in on it, take a, a Sunday morning message just for the purpose of really emphasizing how important it is for all of us just to invite people to church, invite to your church, and just tell people uh, about that, be excited about it, be thankful for the Lord Jesus, and be thankful for what the Lord's done, be thankful for your church. And I want to say that people are searching, and people are hurting, and whether you realize it or not, there are people who want the message that we have. They just need someone with great joy to tell them that message. Amen? With great joy, in spite of all the fear that you might have, just to tell them that message. Let me just help you this. Let me encourage you on Friend Day. Friend Day is not a day just for us to invite somebody else who already faithfully goes to a Bible preaching church. And so the idea is, hey, why don't you come over to my church and maybe sometime I'll go to your church. And listen, the purpose of it is not just to trade a visit with somebody. The purpose of it is not to go to, if you would, that quote, just that religious crowd already. Now, if somebody goes faithfully to church, but again, it doesn't preach the gospel and then they're not even saved, then by all means, you pray for them and you uh, try to give them the gospel, you witness to them. By all means, you invite them to church because that's exactly what it is that we should do. But I want to say, listen to me now, sometimes we're scared to invite people who don't go to church 
when truthfully, those are the ones who need it the most. We say, oh, they never go to church. They wouldn't be interested in coming. Well, maybe they would if someone would invite them. Amen? Maybe they would if someone would invite them. I told you the story, a true story about George Whitfield. And in his day, just like in today, the idea is, if you want to preach about Jesus, you go to the established church where people already come week in and week out to hear a message about Jesus. But they didn't want to hear the Bible message about Jesus. So George Whitfield went out and told people who the religious crowd had written off. And I want to say that all of us have opportunity. All of us have connection with people who don't go to church, who um, are hurting and don't even know what it is that they need. That they need Jesus Christ and they need to know of the love of Christ and they need to know what Jesus did for them when he died on the cross and when he rose again. And so we are told then that we are to take this greatest message in all of the world and we are to go and tell. We're to go and tell others. And I want to say that we go and tell with great joy in spite of whatever fear there might be there, we just do it because it's the right thing to do. Amen? Now listen, you know very well, you know very well that some of the most encouraging things that have happened in your life are things that you have done when you have stepped outside of your comfort zone just a little bit. Maybe you did something daring or maybe you did some sport or something like that or something that you did. <clears throat> when you stepped outside your comfort zone to do that, it was fun, it was encouraging. When you accomplished it, it was something that was really exciting. And I want to say, for many of us, we have never really invited somebody to church. Not somebody who already goes to church that you just asked them to come for some special event at your church. But as far as inviting someone who really needs Christ to invite them to church, many of you have never done that. In fact, the statistic of people who go to church who say that they are believers in Jesus Christ, the statistic is over 80, 85% of those who believe on Jesus Christ have never invited a single unsaved person to their church in their entire life. That is a bunch of neglect. That is a huge, heap of big problem. But what happens is so many people are just not willing at all to step outside their comfort zone. Why is it that Jesus spent the largest part of his ministry in Galilee, in the heathen circle, because those were the people who needed him the most. And by the way, those are the people who received him when the religious crowd rejected him. But how do you know that if you never ask? How do you know that if you never invite? There's so many people that need Jesus. If somebody will just tell them. So many people need to be in a, a, a strong Bible-preaching church, but they may never go if someone doesn't just invite them. So we have the opportunity to do that. And God gives us that challenge. He gives to us that command to go and to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. 
and what he did when he died on the cross and rose again. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. To learn more about our church and its helpful ministries, visit us on the web at www.gospelitebaptist.org. If we can be a blessing to you in any way, let us know.